Sorry. You, can, you can Indian dance in Zoom. Hey, it's like the old, it's the only uh, it's the only thing I can do here. And we are recording. Welcome to Banter, season two, episode two, and happy birthday to Matt Gregg, who is now oh, thirty yeah. years old. Oh man, thirty rhymes of dirty <laughs> mm. and flirty. <laughs> Love it. I'm Rohan Anand. I'm also joined by my regular co-hosts, Timothy Patricio and Matt Gregg. In today's episode, we'll be about the 90s. That's the year 91, right, Matt, that you were born on this day, 30 years ago. Nueve Uno, if you will. What was the song that was number one on your birthday? Do you know? Oh, it was something that I don't like that much. I've looked this. Damn it. Why didn't you ask me this five seconds ago? Hang on. All right. Keep talking. I'm going to look this up. So while we stall... I had the Bengals singing Walk Like an Egyptian on my birthday. Timothy, what about you? My birthday. That's the number one song. Oh, my number, my birthday number one, 1970, what was it? I don't even remember. Everyone should know this off the top of their head. It was probably, I don't know. It was probably Fleetwood Mac something or... I don't know. It was too long ago. <laughs> Mine oh, was okay. Let me I was very. This was. A, I was very happy with my result. It's gonna make you sweat. Okay. So also to put that in perspective, the song "Gonna Make You Sweat" is thirty years old today. I'm just gonna make you sweat. That one? No, no, no. I'm gonna make you sweat. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make you sweat. Oh, no. Nah. Yeah. Him? Okay. Yeah, okay. I can see that being 30 years old. You mean, but Matt, are you talking about Gonna Make You Sweat by the CC Music Factory? <laughs> yeah, wait, that doesn't go anything. Oh, that's... Everybody dance now! <laughs> so the number, I don't even know my own so song. <laughs> you're not going to believe this, but the number one song when I was born was Billy Don't Be a Hero. <laughs> Bo mm. Donaldson. <laughs> what okay. the fuck? It's true. Okay. I'm looking at it right now. What a huh. fun fact. Yeah. No, What's these yours, are unique, Rohan? both of these. What'd you say I yours said, was? Walk, walk Like an Egyptian by the Bengals. Oh, that sucks. I'm you sorry. Know. I hate that song. That song's it, I mean, boring. it's not one of my favorites, but it's, it's uh, catchy. Look, I'm 30 today, and I've got... You'd rather have Eternal Flame. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Matt, we... We were talking about uh, the 90s music as today's theme. And Timmy, I know that uh, you and I may veer more 80s, but we grew up in the 90s as well. And so we're going to humor Matt with his 90s debrief digest playlist. You've put it all together. Um, I do want to start by asking both of you. How did you guys feel about the nineties? Like how, what was, what was Timmy? What was Matt like in the nineties and how were you guys living in the nineties? Wow. Um, well, the nineties was like, <laughs> you know, I have to say the nineties was half as good as the eighties because I, I mostly did not care for half the music. It, there was too much. I, I'm not really a rap fan. And um, it, there, and it seems like 
a lot of the music, especially in the early 90s, was influenced by rap. And then a lot of what was on the charts was rap. You didn't see a lot of the pop songs, but there were some of the, uh, uh, you know, the biggest stars that made it out of the 90s. You could probably pick out Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears. Um, a lot of the a lot of the big pop stars that you'll remember right now from the 2000s, you know, got their start in the 90s. So there, I mean, there were highlights, but I would say half of the music I didn't really care for. <laughs> half as good as the age is a is, yeah. is half very funny. <laughs> I mean, there were some big songs in the 90s. There really was some some. There was you know a fun fact is there's about half as many actually less than half number one hits on the Billboard Hot 100 in the 90s as it was in the 80s there were a so lot of songs so, so the songs had more staying power or were yeah. they just yeah, well they didn't think, cycled through as much? you know macarena you know which was you know three months number one i mean that's just crazy so that took up you know oh so that makes sense. i remember burning out on that song and i wasn't even 10 yeah i had a meltdown once like thanksgiving 1996 at my parents' house i was like when will they stop playing this song even the aliens are playing it it's so yeah. Right. Like, I, no, want I, it, still, I want it that way. The Backstreet Boys, End of the Road, That's... Boys to Men. You know, there were so many songs that just they sat on the top of the charts because people were too lazy to listen to something new. <laughs> they took up space. Okay, okay. So I want, I want to. So I want to just kind of like. So if you think of the '90s, I didn't even consider '90s R&B. But if you think of the '90s, like what were the top genres? You know, like everyone associates the '90s with either dance music, which like the Euro trance. Thing of the 90s you've got grunge you know your pacific northwest you know nirvana Soundgarden, you know those types of bands and then you've got like 90s r&b and then maybe like i would have a hard time i'd say looking back and justifying like 90s pop like what was 90s pop in boy bands and it, it was really yeah yeah it's think like Backstreet of bass. and pop girls like britney and christina Gina G, uh, definitely like oh, even some of the it. female artists that were like you know performing by themselves, just, such as. Are you just gonna blow past Mandy Moore? Get out of here! <laughs> Get out of town, well, sir. I associate her with I, I associate her with This Is Us a little too much, but I remember Wanna Be With You being like one of my favorite songs of 2000. Um, no, I was actually oh, going to add Mariah Carey, Get Out of Town, yeah, dude. J Lo. How many times pop. can I say Get Out of Town? Oh, J Lo was in her heyday. Gloria Spice Girls. Oh, now, okay. I've been on the floodgates now. Nice girls. Well, you sure. know, Beyonce was born in the in the 90s because mm-hmm. Destiny's Child got their, you know, they, they broke through. She the was? End. Yeah. I associate yeah. Beyonce as being like 45 years old right now. How old is Beyonce? She's not that young, but she's also, um, you know, she seems much younger than she actually is because well, she was you know, a big deal. She has a lot of the early collagen. 2000s. <laughs> she has a lot of natural collagen, so she's done a good job. Yeah. <laughs> Beyonce can do anything. Beyonce can divide by zero. Um, so... Uh, but Beyonce, I, I Beyonce was born in 1981, so she's 39 years old. I was six years yeah. off. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones that I think were really interesting. Like, you mentioned Mandy Moore, um, but think about, like, Natalie Imbruglia, right? She was also kind of a big, you know, solo female artist singer. Um, and I, I think the that... The Cranberries. 
Yeah. Oasis was huge. Mm-hmm. Green Day started in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like one eighty two. Lit. Okay, so the oh, and then the, the, there's this like there's a punk faction of pop too, because like that, like Blink One Eighty Two is very much like pop punk. SR Seventy One. Uh, some yeah. Forty One. Now we're just listing. And bands. then some okay, Forty One. That was a different. Okay, one. yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. So like, what is everyone's favorite of those five subgenres? Like, you know, we've got the Euro trance, we've got the grunge, the pop, the pop punk. Oh, Wait, shit. There, there's four? one more. There's one oh. more we left out. Country. Which is? Country. country. Yes, yes. Country yes. had a big decade. Oh, my God. Shania Twain. Country. Shania Twain. Yes, the Dixie Chicks. Dixie Tim Chicks. McGraw. Tim McGraw. You, oh, Kenny Chesney even started. Excuse me. They're, wait. They're, they're, now they're just the Chicks. But they, mm. they were the Dixie Chicks back then. Faith Hill. Right. Martina McBride. Mm-hmm. Yep. Reba McIntyre. Star Sarah of, Evans. Right. And then you get the artists that were kind of in between there. Celine Dion was huge in the 90s. Uh, Cheryl Crow. Yeah. Shania Twain. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't. You um, can't go as, hey, Canada's. Canada's don't finest. impress me much. Um, okay. And then, so. Between those five, if I had to choose, I would say I'm just going to go right out of the gate. I really like the dancey stuff. I think the dancey stuff was cool and unique to the the 90s. And people would be like, oh, what are you, like an ecstasy? This is the rhythm of the night. I love it. It This is Corona. (laughs) Call me Mr. Radar. Call me Mr. Ray. Call me insane. 100%. I love that that was the entire genre. Don't hurt yeah. me no more. It was that actually that really queer genre. affirming, if you think about it. It's very queer affirming. It's like kind of one of the first no- normalizations like erasure, of any ra- erasure yeah, was like right the, in the middle know, of queer, that. Queer pop, queer eighties, queer I'll disco, to queer dance. Yeah, something to make it sweeter. sweeter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, by the way, I noticed that you slipped that into the boat party playlist in 2017. That was a super dope. Um, oh, you know, and me, just well known for slipping stuff. I was in. just like, any Salisbury Hill, perfect <laughs> with erasure. But like, th- th- that to me is um, how I kind of see it. But let me punt it over to you, Timmy. What was of the five categories your, your favorite? You know, um, that's tough because my first real clubbing was in the nineties. And, and so I remember all that, that, that was kind of a very transformative uh, period for dance music because you had the very, you know, disco, you know, morph into the eighties, which morphed into nineties dance. And so what's had the most staying power and, Aside from the big pop artists like Britney and and Justin and uh, you know those those huge artists that have kind of lingered from the '90s, I would say dance music had probably of the biggest influence on on culture because you know if you listen to dance music right now, you can hear the roots in the early '90s. Some would say disco. No, I would say disco was what rooted the '80s. Uh, yeah, and that's dance, what I wanted. Yeah, I wanted to ask music you that. Led, yeah. led to club music as it is now. So, well, and I would say that it wouldn't have been anywhere without the '80s because the '80s, where the synth wave became so popular, wouldn't you say? Right. Like, there's yeah. definitely like a strong link there because I know the '80s are so important to you. Um, 
and, and, and I, you know, I, I think you'd be remiss to not mention how that, like that literally started the nineties was like, that's when like. It Daft had a Punk lot of, in, in, and for me, it had a lot of influence on my life, you know, dance music and, and coming yeah. out and partying and, 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 you know, my twenties and early thirties, it, it was a lot of nightclubs and, and but the, the root of that for me was, you know, 90s dance music corona you know live in joy mm-hmm. you know those dance songs some of them were one hit wonders some of them had a string of hits real yeah. mccoy real mccoy is another one yeah another night another dream, dream. With you. that song's so, so good <laughs> it's it is and um even the ones like you know the jennifer lopez and their ability to kind of you know go into that arena like tonight is oh my but god we didn't K- talk about and we didn't talk about selena Oh man, yeah, that was wow. Especially if you talk about people that traversed. I mean, because she really began with Tejano, yeah. and that Tejano like culture and that bleed over into the United States was significant. I, as a person who is of Indian heritage, an Indian immigrant heritage, growing up in Texas in the early '90s, you still learned about Selena. Right, because her folklore music permeated throughout all the radio stations, and it still made its way to our family. And I recall when Selena got murdered. It was '95. Uh, it was Easter, and my dad was in India. He had to go and take care of some stuff, so it was just my mom and my siblings and I. And she was driving us to our aunt and uncle's house uh, for Easter brunch, and uh, we ran into all these protests for Selena because she had just been murdered. And it was it really just it was it was kind of epic to see that kind of rallying and support for a female artist with all this promising talent. And so, yeah, you know, the 90s is 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 a place where you can kind of remember these pivotal moments in music in many ways as well. Um, yeah. Have you have you uh, you're I mean, you, you grew up in Texas. Did you ever go down to Corpus Christi and go to the mm-hmm. memorial they have for it? Even if like you're not a fan of her, you, yeah. there's just like this feeling of uh, support there. Even to this day, people yeah. like, are still leaving flowers for her every day, you know? Right. And it's so interesting that being in Texas and growing up there, you know, there's a lot of anti-immigrant rhetoric that occurs all over the United States. And for whatever reason, people scapegoat Mexicans a lot more than maybe some of the other Latin American countries because it's the largest and obviously it's going to have the largest representation in the United States. Um, and of course, you know, they're the closest border wise. However, growing up in Texas, like noticing your communities that had been actually families of generations that were U.S. citizens of Mexican descent and all that, they had like just an entrenched presence in the United States in Texas in a way that was just, it, it just, it felt as if it was, um, very assuring in so many ways. So from that perspective, you know, you see that solidarity, as you mentioned, Matt. And and it makes you wonder what kind of martyr, I mean, not only was she, but also how, if she had lived, what kind of icon could she have been? She, could she have been Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, except in 2001, right? Except in not 2021. But um, anyway, I'm starting to ramble. I, I did want to uh, return back to our thread that we were talking about, Timmy, um, on the the queer scene and coming out and being in the nineties and those clubs and those places. So yeah, for me, I'd like to ask questions too. Yeah. Yeah. So for me as a queer person, but didn't really know that they were queer until the two thousands in the nineties though, I still vibed with those kind of songs. And I remember like being like young and thinking like, this is like a beat and it's like boppy, but it always felt like it was 
for me, like music I shouldn't be liking. Like I should have been listening to grunge and uh, Christian and rock and roll. And, um, you know, I listened to a lot of Indian music. So, you know, I, I just kind of had a lot of gaps. So I want to, I want to punt it over to you and, and ask a little bit more about what that was like for you and Matt, ask away to Timmy to put you on yeah. the spot. Um, well, when I came out in, I would say really in 94 ish, <laughs> I want to say, so it was right at sort of the tail end of all those really poppy, that poppy period of the, the upbeat dance music, the things that you think of, you know, hearing in a, uh, a football stadium, you know, like in between, um, uh, in you know when they're doing their commercial breaks on the stadium and then you hear this the song in the crowd or even at the baseball stadium um it, it was that versus the more country side of it and grunge music uh, the because when you'd go out to the bars you go out to the straight bars you'd hear shania twain you'd hear you know garth brooks you'd hear the that that wave of country music that happened in the middle of the 90s um, that was very, you know, almost, you know, country pop classic. You know, you started seeing a lot of country songs hitting the charts and it was almost bipolar from the dance, um, dance rap and, uh, you know, that type of music. In between there, you this is where you had the birth of the bubblegum part of the '90s, the Backstreet Boys, In uh, <laughs> Sync. Yeah, um, you had a lot of the one-hit wonders like um, Lisa Loeb. Um, yeah, yeah. What was her one song? What was on Blondes? Um, so, mm. so in between, in between, kind of those crash, vanilla crash, ice, test right? crash. No, he crash was test dummies. The you, uh. you had sort of the poles. You had gay Baja men. You, you sort of had the poles of music at the time. You had the gay pop, the dance music, and then you had, you know, country music on the other side. And then you had everything in between, which was the, the bubblegum pop and, and grunge. Um, Aqua. Oh, my God. It was, it, was a complicated, it was a complicated decade. You know, pop music didn't know what so it was. So true. <laughs> yeah, That's so, so true. Like, it was so complicated. And then so now like what? it's even more yes. niche now it's it's just sort of fragmented into you're in your own little group of the music you like and it's like that movie clueless like you know just like ditzy brunch you know <laughs> yeah and Rohan, like you, i wanted to i wanted to ask you a question on that so you said you, like you felt like you had to listen to grunge because that's what like you were you like implying because that's what like straight boys were listening to well, first of all, let me back up a bit. So I was a good Christian boy and I got sent to Jesus camps a lot, believe it or not. Like the most random yeah, thing I think in the we world. should preface this by saying oh, we all all are very fucking Christian, obviously. Oh man, man, my our... parents, like for whatever reason, I still never will understand this. They leaned into whiteness in Dallas. Like they just like had this weird sort of thing happen to them where two Punjabi Hindu people who went to Catholic schools in India just because they came to Dallas and then 
they flipped from Hinduism because they found the church, Marx Lane Baptist Church in Dallas. And oh, they Baptist loved it. Even. Oh, what happened? Oh, no, it still exists. Honey, and who, then, like, the, who hurt them? The whiteness and all that. And like they had, they had, like my parents started throwing like fucking church parties. It was weird. Anyway, so like I would, I went to fucking church all the time and I went to fucking Jesus camps all the time. Well, I know. Look, I'm so that, yeah, I, it that, was fine, but like it was all I'm rock so, and roll yeah. Christian. It was all rock and roll Christian, right? Like DC that talk. rock and roll Christian, huh? Yeah, like DC talk. DC cock. DC talk. That is like you talk talk. What? I I heard talk and my ears perked up. No, it's like I heard do you suck. (laughs) No, but as far as Christian music goes, I'm much more interested in hearing a song from DC Cock. (laughs) Yeah, so this one too, (laughs) right? And so when you kind of grow up with that kind of high energy music, some of it gets to a point where it becomes a lot of it, it feels more cultish and it also feels more ragey, and then it starts to get more and more intense, and so. Like when I got into middle school, people were all about bands like Linkin Park and Rancid and um, Crazy Town, which is fine. Yeah. Like, but also like Papa Roach, just like this kind of vulgar, was, like oh, you're getting privileged into white boy. That was rage. that was the '90s version of angsty music. You know, every decade has yeah, kind of had its yeah. own angsty side of you know the the 80s had punk punk rock and and um and then heavy metal you know was very angsty in the in the 70s you had um late the late beatles classics and um and uh, the the anti-war rock um and then even in in the 50s the angsty was if if you want to say it was some of 50s music is so sad the the rock and roll you know and blues you know, era right there. So there's always been sort of an angsty side to music in the nineties. It was the grunge started with Pearl jam and, and, uh, faith no more. And, you know, those, those, um, uh, fat boy, slim, Alterno, Seattle, uh, uh, (laughs) yeah, Uh, it got more as the decade went on. So I guess, yeah, I'll Bloodhound gang. that's, that's my personal. So I'm like torn between the grunge and the, like the poppier punk, like Blink-182, like the immature boner jokes, you know, like <laughs> punk music. Like the yeah. songs that they totally just made up that were all like swear words for like. Or, yeah, or like the song shit, like, piss, fuck, cut, cock, sucker, motherfucker, tits, motherfucker, tits, 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 All that in excessive masturbation. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. It's funny like, how they I, have like a sequel to that. Each like they had one for like yeah. the Mark Tom and Travis show, and then on like Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, they had the one that was like it was called like uh, Fourth of It was like, and it's like Labor Day. Yeah, my grandpa just ate seven fucking hot dogs and he shit. shit Christmas shit, Eve, and I've only got I've only wrapped two, two fucking presents. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and I hate hate, so, hate your guts. I mean, that's like well, like if you think about those lyrics, they're so vulgar, okay, and they're yeah, so, so I, vulgar. I know. So I grew up to be. But like we thought it was e- funny. I thought it was funny. I thought, like, yeah. I I, I, the fact that I well, remember a, it, like, yeah. literally for 20 years, so it will never I'm go a, out of my brain space. So I have, like, a weird upbringing. So, like, I grew up, like, my mom listened to country. My dad was listening to, like, the Euro trance songs. And then I also played piano. So, like, I caught the tail end of, like, Elton John's career. So that's, like, can you feel the love tonight and you know the lion king soundtrack and like some of his later hits like the one like that's i kind of grew up in the smorgasbord of of music 
but then I also was teaching myself to play guitar in that decade. So I also liked the grunge and the, the rock just because I was like learning those chords on the guitar. And so like I kind of grew up with all that. So now I guess all of that kind of metamorphosed into me becoming like an emo kid in the 2000s. I don't know how that happened. It happens. Uh, but yeah, I just I, I kind of liked it all. And I know that's a lazy fucking answer, but I really did. Don't but... don't cut yourself short. Don't cut yourself short. I think the three of us have come to kind of a consensus, like reading between the lines that 90s for all of us was just kind of confusing. We like don't yeah. know what to make sense of it music wise. Like, I was, and I think yeah, I was a little this. baby. I was a I was a little baby boy. <laughs> yeah. Year. So like yeah. I remember like I remember like getting ready for elementary school and my dad would play euro trance music as i was like eating a bowl of cereal in my childhood years like at seven years old so like there's just such a visceral memory of those songs in such a different way from timmy but like those songs are still important to me but in a yeah. very different way you know you can't you it, touched it, upon something um you touched upon disney and i want to like um oh boy no you. what Cause, what cause, yeah no 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 but remember how <laughs> you always and in prior banter episodes, you always bitched about ABBA, right? Because you were like, oh, I got, fuck I, ABBA. I, I grew sorry, up. sorry, Timmy. I don't think I've come out as a ABBA, as an ABBA hater to you, but I, if you're an ABBA guy, I'm sorry. I, it's not for me. Well, ABBA was ABBA. I mean, they just were. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think they're a very binary band. Like, you either love ABBA or you don't love ABBA. You know, it's not like some bands where you can kind of be on the fence. I'm sorry. This is I'm derailing where you're going at. I, I don't. Sorry. I don't come to to. Well, I, I'll just tell you since you're on the subject of ABBA. Sorry to interrupt, but um, it's not like I come home from work and say, you know, tell you know Alexa. Sh sh oh shit. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is how we lose listeners. There she goes. <laughs> I don't tell her I want to listen to to ABBA. So you know, it's not that I don't want to. I just would not oh. think to put it on anyway. <laughs> well, Matt, you were saying, um, you know, my parents played ABBA and they kind of killed the song for us, right? We've, we've, we've talked in uh, last episode about song murders, right? And Timmy was giving his perspective about like karaoke songs that have just been murdered by people singing them too many times. And so, Matt, you touched upon Disney and you touched upon Broadway tangentially. Let's talk about some of the songs that came out in both realms. I want to start with Disney. In, um, All Timmy right, and let's Bobby's. break down every Disney song and why they're problematic. <laughs> <laughs> so Disney songs sung at Bobby Loves all the time, particularly like Mermaid, Little Mermaid songs. I think there's something about the Little Mermaid. It didn't come out in 90, did it? Yeah, 89, 90. So it's kind of the 90s. Um, but there were a lot of songs like sung by Ursula that have this sort of um, gender non-conforming persona to it, almost like also with a little bit of okay, like a drag so element. I, well, I, so fun fact about Ursula, and I don't mean to like mansplain this, but like I read in like a BuzzFeed article or something that like the inspiration behind Ursula was actually from a very famous drag queen from that, uh, from whatever time it came out, like early nineties. And so like Ursula, in a sense, is a gay icon, and I think that's awesome. Right, I fucking love. And that. as a boy that was all about Catholic school, um, you know, my sister's school was called Ursula and Ursuline Academy. Ursuline Academy, but it made me think of Ursula. You know what I mean? Like, 
this like, you know, empowered, I mean, feminine features to presenting on the outside. So there's sort of this whole like empowerment figure that comes within it. And also she has this masculine energy in many ways in the sense that she can be really duplicitous and charming and be able to kind of persuade uh, Ariel, who's this like naive girl into whatever Ursula wants her to do. Um, and so a lot of people at Bobby's, you know, Timmy, I, I recall, love to talk, love to do the poor unfortunate soul um, sing. Um, also, a lot of them like to do part of your world. Uh, it's kind of cool too to like imagine yourself as being under the sea and like, you know, thinking about what's out and above. Uh, and then of course, um, you know, what, what's, what's probably the most famous Little Mermaid song. No one really sings like Kiss the Girl or something, but yeah, that's my Little Mermaid soliloquy. Timmy? Yeah, no, those, you've hit the highlights. Those are the ones that, that uh, you usually hear. You, the, probably the number one, uh, probably the one tune would be Aladdin, the whole new world. Yeah. Yeah. A whole. The, the nineties really saw, uh, you know, the jet setting of Disney and Disney movies because things were kind of flat for Disney through the seventies and eighties. They, there was that, I don't know, probably you guys don't remember this, but they always had like the after school special, you know, the, um, in the Friday night, you know, Disney special. And, and there were a, a lot of characters, a lot of iconic characters were born in the seventies and eighties, but, um, really Disney started to launch with those movies like the little, the little mermaid, Aladdin, um, Lion King, that they, they, they were seated in the early nineties and uh, exploded and Disney wouldn't be where it is today without those three movies. That's a big, yeah, big, I guess, yeah. big part of the legacy of the nineties. I guess that's really when they started working with more famous musicians to make um, their music like Elton John with the Lion King instead of just like like the fucking Snow White fucking VHS like that's that's trash <laughs> I don't need to hear this white girl singing like I don't know like she just had you know the best day ever like who cares about that you know I want to hear Elton John singing in you know some weird language and just making a banger out of it you know like um, I also want to preface this soliloquy on the Lion King I'm having by saying I am three fourths of the way through my adios motherfucker since it is my birthday. So <laughs> my thoughts are getting a little more abstract, but um, <laughs> good for you. It's your birthday. <laughs> but like, think about it. Like, was the Lion King the first time that Disney actually brought in uh, like a very well-known musician? Maybe because then look like the next progression was Oliver and Company and Billy Joel was the kind of leading creator behind that. And then I'm not an expert on Disney, but fast forward many years and then you get to Moana and like Lin-Manuel Miranda made the entire soundtrack for that. Well, uh, before we, that even was Tarzan with Phil Collins doing that. Oh, yeah. understated. No one, no one asked Phil Collins Put to get that emotional. And he said, I didn't, he said, I didn't come here to ask. To us, one family. One family. You'll be in oh, my heart. So good. Um, well, Son of Hercules, man. Who did, who did the Hercules? Was that Michael Bolton? 
Was it? I think I saw that was a one and done movie. Uh, yeah, I saw him yeah. once in theaters and never again. Same with Huntsback of Notre Dame, and even Anastasia, no, which had some pretty me. good things. Excuse that was Disney. Me, Rohan, Rohan, I've got to stop you right there. Don't you dare put Hercules in the same category as Hunchback of Notre Dame and <laughs> Anastasia. For me, it's me. Just for me, it was a one and done. Like You're I saw wrong. it in the theaters, but I never watched the movie again. All I'm saying is I never watched the movie again. Why? So I'm I'm clueless. I, it's my deficit. Okay, next next time we're together, we're watching Hercules, and I'm gonna just if gonna you want you in there. Now, now as you, you, we're talking about all these Disney movies that um, that were uh, that had a lot of you know mute were music centric, you know musicals, um, and there there was a couple Disney movies. I don't know. I always like to when we're when I'm talking with friends about Disney in the '90s. I believe it was in the '90s. The movie, The Emperor's New Groove. Oh, absolutely. Did you ever see that? You know, Kuzco, you know, with the, and he turns into a llama. So my, <laughs> that is so, a great yeah. 90s movie. And um, it's Disney without, um, I, I mean, it did have sort of a music, it, it did have a, a soundtrack to it, but it wasn't a musical by any stretch of the imagination. Y'all, candidly, I dropped off after Mulan. Mulan was my last one with Disney. I like for whatever reason I just like got divorced. Oh. I don't know why. I never saw Emperor's New Groove. Mulan has Emperor's New Clothes. Story? Frozen. What the the Pixar Revolution? You didn't, you know? Yeah, that's what it was to me. It's true. I've never really acknowledged it, but like because I watched like Toy Story. Mulan, Mulan is problematic, man. Be, the song "Be a Man" is problematic. <laughs> um, there are other really good songs in that soundtrack, Jesus. though. Like. Yeah, like Bring Honor to Us All is so good. Reflections is so good. I mean, it um, so should have been be uh, non-binary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> With um, all the force of raging fire, by non-binary. So, so, With so all so the crazy. force of a non-binary. <laughs> All right, next time next time I'm at Bobby Loves Karaoke, I'm going to redo that song. <laughs> that, that would be awesome. Timmy, please oh do God. that. Yeah, please do that. <laughs> what if, you know what would be funny is if, like, you started doing it regularly at karaoke, and then, like, I just come in out of nowhere and also do it as if it's a well-known fad in the U.S., <laughs> and we start trending non-binary. <laughs> On, like, TikTok. <laughs> I think that'd be such a positive force in the world. <laughs> oh yeah anything that takes people off kellyanne conway's daughter <laughs> wait what how did we get there <laughs> never mind um <laughs> i was just thinking about tiktok and you know people who are imprisoned um oh no <laughs> so uh the the funny thing is you guys mentioned movies and i was thinking also about composers and composers that actually um, came into their own with the uh, non-vocal kind of uh, musical talent in the 90s. So, you know, Spielberg directed a lot of films like, you know, Free Willy. And, you know, that also brought in artists that like were like Michael Jackson to, to create, you know, songs that could lean into the 90s as well. So um, kind of in that same vein, you know, we, we are you have talking about my been... man. Are you talking about my man Hans motherfucking Zimmerman? No. That's a famous composer from the 90s. Schindler's List. I haven't seen that. <sighs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh my God. I haven't seen it. 
Y'all have to I remember said, like one thing. This is probably going to help you out a lot. I have a lot of deficits in my life purely because I believe I, the brain right, has just, limited capacity and whatever like I lack on like the Schindler's List and stuff. It was because Bollywood stuff growing up. Like I was all about that too. That is fair. Right. Wait, so it was actually Rohan, I'm going to stop you right there. Tell me about Bollywood in the 90s. Oh, it was lovely. I would. Oh man, that's a, but that's his own episode. But I've been listening and dancing to and performing to Bollywood songs since 1993. Um, like I what played was, the tabla, like I so? The, you know, I. Well, let me ask. Let me ask it this way. So, like, I know today's Bollywood is kind of similar to like pop. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like like very bassy, electronicy. You know, but what was Bollywood in the 90s like? What what kind of sound? Great was it? question. Oh, compared I to the question. compared to the sub subgenres that we've talked about for largely American mm. and maybe like you know I love this Europe. question. Thank you for asking yeah. it, Matt. This is such a great question. So when my family and I first went to India for the very first time, uh, so my sister had been, but my brother and I hadn't. I was six; he was one. Um, we went in December of 1993, and we were in Delhi for like three weeks over Christmas, 93, 94. Um, my parents even like pulled us out of school for it. Like we had to do like our homework on the plane and everything it was kind of crazy. Um, but it was kind of like a once in a lifetime trip. My parents couldn't afford a trip like that very often. So at the time for us, it was like, you know, a real big sort of introduction into what our parents' lives were like growing up for them and meeting our extended families. And at one point me and my cousins were to do a dance at a a children's show. Uh, You know, it was like, we kind of just got plugged into their lives. And it was to this one song called Choli Ke Piche, which is actually a song that is about what's under my blouse. And it was actually a song about gender non-conforming things. And um, it was crazy to see that Bollywood in the 90s became so much more confusing as well it paralleled what happened in the US because Bollywood is always going to sort of ride its own way of being Desi, being South Asian, being Indian, but also following the trends of good instrumental sounds, lyrics and synthesizers and this, that, and what have you um, to make it artistic, to make it represent what the message is of the movie or of you know, whatever it wants to be. Um, and so I, I love that. And I, I watched a lot of movies and I know a lot of the songs by heart. And I spent a lot of time with my queer Desi friends in Chicago doing sing-alongs here in my my apartment or their place. Um, so sorry to interrupt. That had to be fairly controversial just based on like how, you know, I've heard there's very conservative parts of India. So songs like that had to be controversial, right? I mean, yeah, of course. But uh, the other thing to remember is, is that India is a country of a billion people. So even if you only slice off 1% of the market, it's still a really large market compared to what you would... Still 100 million here. people, yeah. Yeah, and so there is a way in which you can still create a niche. 
and India has always really survived on art and artists and music and poetry and storytelling and, you know, all those kind of rich innate things. So no matter how like technical it becomes or corrupt it becomes or nationalist it becomes it, like, you know, the, the finer arts, the finer pieces, much as, as it is in the United States or other places that will always survive and that will always prevail. Um, that being said, you know, it's like, people have been ripping off other people in other countries and other sounds and synthesizers and, and instruments for, for decades. It's just kind of how it is. Um, but things are melding together, right? Like we're actually starting to get closer and closer to that thing we call the melting pot. And music is always going to be a channel that takes people into that direction, which is what's so cool. Um, and the nineties played over, it, it's going to happen slowly, right? It's incremental. It's not one and done. Like, you know, my friend, uh, you know, Timmy, our friend uh, Zahid in, in Chicago, shout out to Zahid, um, said something the other day that that's really important, which is like change and growth happens in increments, right? In small increments. This was also in the Dan Savage episode of This Week with Savage Love. And music does that in the same way, which gives us a reason to slow down and spend however much we want to spend on what's happening right now and what's current and what's becoming woke and savvy but also reflecting on what's come before it right what's 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 taken us to this place in this space where we can talk about you know lady gaga and taylor swift in 2020 oh but you know? speaking of lady gaga by the way we haven't talked since the inauguration uh how good was her uh national anthem Part two of that question is, I hate that I live in a world where Mike Pence has seen Lady Gaga live before I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, she belted it out. It was incredible. Yeah. She, she, yeah. she nailed it. And it was, it was very powerful. You know, she, she's, yeah. that, that performance well, is right up there with some of the best of them I've heard. Yeah. I wait. I haven't talked like we haven't recorded since the inauguration. Like, how how are you guys feeling? Uh, I think this is important to talk. Like, I know we've been like historical the '90s, whatever, yada yada. But like, how how are you guys feeling? Like, in the past, it's been one week into the Biden administration. Like, do you feel like a little less, you know, like oh, or like are you still kind of like eh, we'll see what happens? Or like, how are you guys? Let me check in with you guys. How are you feeling? Timmy? We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's right. still so polarized and and, and it and you 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 get up and you hear the news and it's just like, well, Biden did this, of course he did. And it's like that's all you're hearing. Oh, well, there's uh, such a price tag on well, fucking helping or all right. yeah, the they're murdering babies again. Okay. <laughs> Guys, time out. So I believe that all of what you're saying is true and valid, and I'm not coming from a holier and thou space. I will say this. We're all going to deal with PTSD from the last four years. And well, part of that PTSD is also understanding what kind of behaviors and patterns and things we've done in the past to try to like hold on for dear life, among them being watching the news all the time and trying to ingest that news. We have to remind ourselves that the news is always going to try to find some way to be biased or be um, sensitized in some way or the other to, you know, bring in traffic and revenue and viewers. So cut yourself a little slack and try to disengage yeah. from the news as much as you might have before. It's I, I, I don't listen to Pod Save America, you know, 
as instantly as I was up until this uh, month. You know, it's it's okay to take a little bit of a break. Um, yeah. What anyway, I can that's do I to yeah, what I can do to set off twenty twenty one right is there are a lot of good albums coming out right now. I'm very so surprised tell us about that. Like I said, I said so in our group text today. I sent you guys um, two, and I'm about to send you a third. But um, one is uh, by Rye, one of my favorite bands. It's two guys. One does the, all the beats, and then the other guy sings. Well, and he also helps the music. Uh, and it is one of the most prettiest albums you'll ever hear. And the other one's by Bicep. It's just it's a guy. Uh, it's the DJ that used to be in Burial, and that album is stupid good and then there's a third one if you are a sad emo kid like i was from the 2000s and you like the band copeland it's the lead singer and he made a side project and that album is gorgeous but like i know i'm just ranting on new music like i used to do for half an hour every episode but like i'm very encouraged because i feel like the start to 2021 is so fucking good right now and i'm, I'm just very excited like I've already started my best of 2021 podcast and it's or playlist and it's I'm starting to fill it up and you know we're three weeks in and like tomorrow Rebecca Black has an album coming out and she's turning out to be like this like strong like lesbian powerhouse <laughs> musician which is funny because like you, you know her from like the Friday Friday and she's got like some bops coming out now it's like I love 2021. Bring it on. Like uh, the team behind the Dua Lipa song Electricity just released a song with Ellie Golding last week. That's incredible. I think, I think well, 2021 is for keeping on top of this stuff. <laughs> like yeah. one of us has to do it. I don't know if Timmy is because Timmy's our newest addition to the threesome of banter. But like back in the day, man, Timmy. I needed to rely, and I still continue to rely on heavily for Matt to toss over the new music because I'm otherwise just like clueless. I will give it a listen. When, yeah, me all I can say, yeah, whenever, and we'll, yeah, we'll put links in the podcast description. Well, Rohan will because I'm too lazy to do it, but I'll send it to him. Venture needs uh, to hire an unpaid intern to make sure that they can do all the administrators. <laughs> oh, so like another one of us? <laughs> but, uh, God. But uh, yeah, there's there's good stuff coming out and it just gives you that feeling that like when we can all be back in a club together and like sweaty and be like, who the fuck smells like that? It smells nasty. But like, like, aren't you? Yeah, aren't you excited? But like, aren't you excited to be like experiencing that again? Like, oh, my God, this stranger stinks. Like, fuck, yeah, this stranger stinks. Oh, I love that I'm getting to experience that sensation, you know, <laughs> without like feeling guilty or something, you know. So like I, 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 I just have this feeling like because it sounds like Daddy Biden's going to get those shots in our arms. That's what he's saying. I'm just going to choose to believe it because it's been fucking one year. You know, we've all been in our houses. So it just feels like when we all go back out, whatever songs are coming out right now, are just going to like I feel like 2021 in specific in particular is going to be such a special year for music just because of the uh, visceral memory that you're going to have of those feelings of being able to go back out and just be around people you don't fucking know, you know, not the people that, not the people that you've been breaking the rules to hang out with and you know who they are, but I'm talking about like (laughs) people that you don't know at a bar, you know, It, it, it just feels like it's going to be amazing. 
I feel like I'm going to want to meet a stranger at a bar every time I go out. After this, oh, people you know? hopefully will be so friendly towards each other. That's what I hope. I hope that like the people who are unfriendly will just be wearing masks. And so you won't even really notice them. And then the people who are friendly will either wear masks or they'll just not wear masks and be friendly and that'll be great. So there's a, a mini baby boom from the, from April and May of lockdown. <clears throat> so, oh, no. so perhaps at the end of all this, there'll be another one because everybody's so excited. They're, you know, hopping into bed together. But I yeah, feel like those, ba- those babies, you know, here's stranger, here's smelly stranger. Let's go. Those babies are going to have much more trauma. Baby. So that's going to be another wave of emo. <laughs> Why don't people here. adopt babies? Why don't people start to like adopt the babies that need homes? We're working on it, Rohan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not asking you. Who I'm needs to hook up with a smelly stranger when you can just adopt one and bring it into your house? <laughs> I keep thinking to myself, well, you know, I already have Sasha. What if I just adopt a kid and start just becoming a dad at age 34? I mean, I would be an okay dad. I'm sure I could make it work. No, you'd be the mom. Sasha would be the dad. That's perfect. Perfect. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We can do that. That still works. I just love that you have a pit bull. Actually, every time I see Sasha now, I need to say Dale. Maybe he'll like me more. (laughs) Hey, what? I really, I really wish you would have named Sasha Mr. Worldwide. Oh, gosh. I can't do Pitbull. I can't do Pitbull references at all, man. Mr. No, I can't. I just couldn't because that guy is how we've we've grown since Panther episode two. (laughs) Oh, man. I I like, I I used to just be like, oh, yeah, Pitbull, like, you know, Mr. 305. Miami, para la chica nueva que se celebra el mundo. Like, I mean, I just know I don't like he always wears shades because he's afraid of showing his face. He thinks he's ugly. Like, I think the guy needs to just be a little bit more like. Yeah, you so Namaste. what I'd like to say to you have like a whole episode about Pitbull. Oh, we don't need to go there again. <laughs> we already kind of did that. But I mean, I know by well. having a pit bull that Sasha, my dog, he's uh, a lab pit mix. I mean, yeah, he like, you know, when I go playing with him, he turns into a different kind of animal. He's got like a mind of its own, but it's all just in play. It's all in play. Otherwise, he's a sweetie pie. You both know that. Um, anyway, I know that we have been rantering and bantering for now about an hour so. Perhaps like we can start to wrap up our '90s episode and our, our our birthday episode for Matt by saying that we appreciate your listenership and also this this has been a really fun episode to record. Lots of really rich perspectives and uh, cool ways in which you can slice and dice the '90s music. I love the analysis. What I love about this podcast is we start with a topic and then we just fucking go to pitbull. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So any uh, comments before we wrap up? Well, next time we, we end on the topic of a, a, a Latino, you know, a solo artist, how about somebody prettier than Pitbull? <laughs> hey, Timmy, all what roads would would lead to Pitbull. You know, like Daddy Yankee. <laughs> Daddy Yankee's dope. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, or at least, well, thank you guys. Yeah, okay. 
<laughs> or at least, yeah. Or uh, you know, Nick Jonas. On that note, thank you everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. All right, Love you guys. Happy birthday, Love you guys. Bye. Bye.